you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The Around the NFL podcast. Keep the turkey away from Mark Sessler. You better. From the Chris Wessling podcast studio, it's Around the NFL I'm Dan Hansis with the aforementioned Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. Heroes both. So am I. Self-love is okay. It's important. And uh, There's no lack of that on this show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this week, week 12, right? Mm-hmm. Week 11 last week, I, I, I labeled a nasty little thing. This week, to me, this Sunday is the inverse of that. And let me explain. This Sunday a schedule that wasn't especially juicy, to put it kindly. Not a lot of high-profile matchups on the schedule. And yet, NFL Sunday woke up, rolled out of bed, and when it got to the press box, took a deep breath, smiled, took a photo, and then posted on Twitter, my office for the day. (laughs) Uh, Which, a a phrase that we banned about a half a decade ago on the show, by the way. You know, Optimistic about life, reflective on the journey and how lucky football is to be football. And then the football was good because that's just like a, a cliched yeah. moment, which almost feels like punching it in. But these teams are punching it in. Well, no, and just points. to be clear, points. just to be clear, your, that your shows day. a difference when you and I, Greg, what yeah. you think of that message when people post it. I see that as when it when a beat writer or whoever puts my office for the day. 
it's a it's a feeling of wow, I'm at the Super Bowl and this okay. is where I get to work. This is well, a cool job. It, there are times when it has more <laughs> a lot um, of cynicism it, on the side. No, I more know. Imp- we literally it's banned it on the show. I mean, it's more uh, like mailing it in as a tweet, just like as Twitter performance. So if in terms of an original perfor- tweet, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like the sentiment. We're way off is track authentic. Here. You're right. It was a good Sunday at games, and then it wasn't what, what just because the well, Jets I mean, A, we banned the phrase from the show, so I, there's literally it's a lawless uh, move on your part. But secondly, in case. In case the listeners are wondering, because that last week's episode also had, was it suck the sadness or smell the sadness? No, you swallow the sadness. Swallow the sadness. I mean, that was just because I want (laughs) people need to know just because the Jets had a turnaround performance today. That's not why the optimism in the My Office for the Day business comes up. That was a separate part of the show's title a week ago. No, people that know that the old Zeuser is a beacon of integrity understand that I know what happened in our league this week and last week. It's It's a greater viewpoint. Like my... Fandom does not extend just to the Jets. I'm loyal to football. I've that was co- my point about you. That's where I'm at now. As as the weeks go on, I'm just like Greg. I feel like just loyal. I, I'm to game. loyal to football. Loyal. To I don't game. know what you're suggesting that I that I, I don't know. The undertone is that you, the two of you, enjoy the sport, and I'm just floating along here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's not accurate, but just a narrative <laughs> 681. Yeah. Uh, we have so much to get to. Today, absurd. Uh, so let us start with uh, the game. Let's start here. This is good. The game that everyone expected to be good. The game that featured two teams that make sense as Super Bowl contenders in the AFC squaring off Cincinnati at Tennessee, and it did go down to the final minutes. Joe catches the shotgun snap, fakes the P-Rine, floats it toward the end zone, and Higgins, he's got it! Touchdown, Bengals! As he used his height and his size and went up and over the cornerback in coverage for the touchdown. Great throw by Burrow, better catch by Higgins. There you go. There's the call from Jeff Joniak and Tim Tom Thayer, WBBM. The Bengals, man. They can beat you in different ways, and the Titans know it. The, the physical Titans feeling good about themselves, but the Bengals seem to have their number. Joe Burrow threw a 27-yard touchdown pass to T. Higgins with less than 14 minutes to play, and it held up in a 20-16 win by the defending conference champions over the Titans, the team uh, that was the number one seed last January. The Titans got knocked out by the Bengals on their uh, miracle run to the Super Bowl. So here we are now uh Two teams feeling good, and it was in this game, Mark, uh, the Bengals that are feeling better because as the season goes on, they continue to get stronger and show you they can win in different ways even when they're missing key players. Yeah, it was a what you would call classic sort of white-knuckle um, operation between both teams, and I think they kind of can look at each other and see a lot of similarities in who they are. Uh, the, the Bengals came in with a plan to just sell out, I think, and stop Derrick Henry and not allow Derrick Henry to have one of those games. And that playoff game from a year ago, Henry was not himself. He is right now, and he was allowed 38 yards at 2.2 yards per carry. And the Bengals on the flip side, after allowing nine sacks in that playoff game, won today. I thought both of their lines um, showed up and, and, and did their part. And for me, what I've watched with the Bengals over the last couple weeks because it's not just T. Higgins who had 114 yards off seven catches and that touchdown, which was a huge part of this game and a momentum turner. Guys like Samaj P. Ryan, with Joe Mixon out with a concussion, stepped up again two weeks in a row. Trevion Williams, another one of their running backs, had a huge play in this game. Our dude Trenton Irwin, 
the long-haired, the crocodile the blonde, hunter. long-haired crocodile hunter who was actually a childhood actor they discussed during the game I and left, left his childhood commercial acting career because he was benched for a football game for showing up late mm. after rehearsal. Well, where did it get him? It got him here where he made a gigantic 16-yard catch in this game. From the audition rooms, that charisma of the child actor, he yeah. took it to the football field. You see it. He lives you, in the breeze. You do see it. And it's these guys that are stepping up until you get Jamar Chase back probably next week. I think it came close to appearing today. You will get Joe Mixon back. And this game came down to, and we can talk to Gravedigger about this, uh, the Titans ran out of timeouts. It was just inside the two-minute warning. The Bengals were driving. They had it forced into a field goal that would have given the Titans a chance, at least some time to go back, drive for a touchdown. Again, no timeouts. Kevin Strong gets nailed on the field goal try by nailing the defenseless uh, long snapper. <laughs> Bang, game over. He gets nailed by nailing. Game over. It was. They got the stop. They they had to use up all three timeouts. They would have been down seven points with, let's see. Let's see. How much time to play when that happened? Uh, I think it was. I think they were in pretty good shape. It was a minute 57 left. So – they had a shot, and it was it was the right call. The because the snapper, if you don't know the rule, the snapper on the field goal attempt because his head's down, it's tucked, and he's snapping until he lifts his head up. He's defenseless, which means you can't hit him. Um, I know the the contention on the Tennessee side was that his head was up by the time contact was made, but that's not what the official saw, and so it was kind of a I gotta say anticlimactic end to a, what seemed like it was going to be a great ending. That, that was my point because yeah. I mean the tight, both teams were, I think were struggling to especially the Titans on on third endless third and longs for the Titans trying to break free. You don't have Henry. Tannehill made a couple big throws in this, but it wasn't them at their best on offense. And you kind of thought that you know what every one of these NFL games, if you're going to give a team one minute and 50-something seconds to come down and do something. It's just going to happen this season. And then suddenly, bang, the game was over. And like eight, 18 seconds later, I was like, wow, that could have gone on for another 28 minutes in you, another You universe. were loving it. That's perfect. Well, I just thought it was very, definitive. Game it was just very definitive. He was glowing. He was talking de- about, wow, that game could have gone for 20 more minutes. It, <laughs> that is uh, not – you know what? I don't I, I don't understand where we're coming from this. I thought it was just a massive juxtaposition. No, you're you're right. Like, it is crazy. Bang, thing over. Did you want? Did you want the game to potentially continue there? I have jumped on the Titans bandwagon, oh, yeah. so I'm not rooting for the oh, game that's to a end good on point. a penalty. No, no, oh, that's right. They're no. 0-1 now, uh, Gravedigger pointed out with you on the Justin, bandwagon. Justin, jump oh. in here. You, are, don't, you don't control everything if you're on a bandwagon. But. What do you, so do you cast Mark from the, the bandwagon after that, or how do things work here? No, there may be people jumping off after this performance, but if Mark wants to stay on, nobody will throw him off against his I, will. I am staying on. This didn't shake my confidence at all. This good. is just another week in along, the NFL. Along those lines, I'm waiting to hear back, and I'm going to keep you updated in real time as I look through my inbox. I reached out to our research department because my two early games that I drafted ended in 247 and 248. And I want to know where that stacks up. Now, that's an that's a crazy thing to be asking the research department to look up on a busy NFL Sunday, the fastest games this year. And maybe they laughed it off and threw it in the recycle bin, but the trash bin, but I'll keep you updated, Mark. Because I know you especially that matters. I, I would like to think if it maybe got put to the back of the pile, but they don't just put it in the circular file for you. It's a request <laughs> coming from a journalist inside the building. Our it, journal, capital the, J. The yeah. Bengals bandwagon should be filling up here. Winning these games without um, Jamar Chase mm-hmm. with the offensive performances that they've had, and then to win a game like this, which is a little more nasty in the Titans style of game, I think is going to have them really fired up. Uh, Samaje Pirine had a, a good quote afterwards to our Mike Giardi saying that that's all we've heard is that you have to match their physicality. Well, you have to be ready for their physicality. Well, 
They got to match our physicality. We're a different team than we were a year ago. I'm not sure if I'm ready to go there yet, but this is how you build into being a different team. To win a game uh, like this is very impressive to me, and I I, got to put my eyes on it. You can tell me what you thought, Gravedigger, of of how Joe Burrow looked, but I don't think anyone played football any better than Joe Burrow did a week ago. Some of the throws he made in that Pittsburgh game were just crazy. He's played as well in the last two weeks coming into this game as any quarterback in football, and if you got Joe Burrow peaking and when you got Jamar Chase coming back, that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, Burrow looked great. I mean, he he was very accurate with the ball down these like long sideline throws that were put where only the receiver could go up and make a play or put in the zone hole between the safety and the dropping cornerback. A a few of those throws to T Higgins and obviously the sideline play to Irwin was a beautiful throw as well. Like literally no, either Irwin catches that or nobody catches that. And he was also really decisive and getting the ball out of his hands quick. They were using that quick passing game, like an extension of the running game today and it's one of the reasons that the Titans only had one sack is that Burrow was getting the ball out of his hand. He wasn't holding there, standing in the pocket and holding it, except for a couple of times. And the couple of times he did that, he made something happen with his legs, and he picked up first downs with his with his legs when the defense had their backs turned. So all they in all, he played a great game. They were 0-2, and now they're 7-4. and four. So that's that's a nice Maybe same with recovery. the Titans. Titans are you could I say the that Titans about both teams. Oh, that's Autry today too. I agree and with there that. There was no real pass rush. There wasn't Burrow. any pass rush. The, uh, Next gen stats, I think, put out that Burrow had the the cleanest pocket he's had all season today. Wow. And the Titans also couldn't stop Samaj P. Ryan in the running game. I mean, they would hit him two or three yards after the line of scrimmage, and he would push the pile for five or six yards frequently. Wow, sounds like a great game by that Cincinnati offensive line on both ends then, in the run yeah. game and in the Yeah, they, they, they won in the trenches, and they were the more physical team. I think that's why they won. Ooh. But I think the deciding moment in this game was it was about six minutes to go. The Titans had the ball fourth and five inside the 20, and they elected to kick a field goal down 20 to 13 to make it 20 to 16, which doesn't really make that much sense yeah, to me unless you that. are really confident your defense is going to get you the ball back right away. That's what defensive coaches do. They just imagine this scenario that they're going to get the stops. But then, I know, mean, Vrabel was always, very frustrated in this game, too. Stops. And I think that. Well, know, that's the thing. They didn't get the stops. Cincinnati got the ball back with like six minutes left and possessed it for the rest of the game. Wow. Do we have, Greg, do we have any shift on your end with some of your snark towards uh, Cincinnati head coach Zach Taylor, who seems to have this team playing very well on multiple levels? They're in good position. They're frustrating to watch. I mean, I'm still saying like he's wearing a polo, but it's like a fancy polo. It's okay. like you think, well, you think they're frustrating to watch the yeah. offensively, like hmm. the way they you're a big create man, their Greg, to say that. scheme. I would say, it's a yeah, like, polo. yeah. Now it's like you're getting one at the mall, some sort of designer. That it, it's like, why? What is the difference between this polo and one that's two hundred dollars right. less? I'm not sure, but it costs a lot. So you look, you look you're not expensive. making any sense right now. Um, <laughs> we'll give Zach Taylor the final word on this. We wouldn't trade our quarterback for anybody on the planet, and so we're glad to have him. I might. I think if you're Cincinnati, he's perfect for you. Let's move on now uh, to a great game and another potentially great quarterback who it felt like had a moment on Sunday. Trevor, he drops, he looks, fires left side of us. Good! 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 Zay Jones catches it! The two-point conversion is good! Jacksonville is taking the lead! What a throw again! By Trevor Lawrence, I mean an absolute bullet to Zay Jones. Ooh, Frank Frangie, Jeff Lagerman, 
WOKV. You feel like you haven't heard those names a lot. So Jaguars have barely won in years on this podcast. (laughs) But now it feels like that's going to change because Trevor Lawrence is finding himself. The young quarterback connected with Marvin Jones for a 10-yard touchdown pass with 14 seconds to play, then hit Zay Jones, as you just heard, on that two-point conversion. Doug Peterson, you got guts, my friend. And the Jaguars held on to beat the Ravens 28-27 to after Justin Tucker. They, you know, the Ravens have no time. Uh, you know, 16 seconds or so after the two-point conversion. They do get the ball near midfield, and then Tucker attempts a field goal, and we'll get to that a little later because I'd like to hear the call from Jacksonville on that as well. But that comes falls short. The kick uh, would have been a, a record. And, yes, the Jaguars escape with an unbelievable win, Greg. And uh, like I said, it feels like – and we know Trevor Lawrence has been playing better and better the last couple of weeks. But this is like makes me think that he might be able – he might be ready for a liftoff, put it that way. This was his moment. This was his I'm not messing around moment. So many great throws in this comeback. The first one that comes to mind to me is fourth and eight. They're down 19 to 10, mid-third quarter. So once again, the Ravens blow a two-score lead. Once again, it's in the fourth quarter. It's fourth and eight. Peterson goes for it. You, you sort of had to there. And he throws an absolute dime hole shot to Zay Jones, where it's ahead of the cornerback and, I mean, ahead of the safety and behind the cornerback. It needed touch. It needed arm strength. Sometimes you think arm strength is all about how hard you can throw it, uh, but it's opposite hash, and he just put it right on him. They end up winning on that, uh, scoring a touchdown on that drive. Lamar's up for the challenge, scores a touchdown right back, and then that final touchdown drive the Jaguars had, not only did he make a lot of great throws, but he showed a lot of awareness. They played hurry up at the very end, setting up that Marvin Jones touchdown at the 10-yard line. You thought they were going to spike it there or that maybe they would. Uh, they didn't have any timeouts at that point. You thought they'd spike it. Maybe you throw it out of bounds, but they play hurry up. They had it all set up. The Ravens weren't quite ready for it. He puts it in the perfect, perfect spot, throw. and Marvin Jones makes an even better catch. Underrated wide receiver since he came into the league, Marvin Jones. Yeah, like as, oh, for sure. Especially making those types of plays. If you just watch today's game, you would think that Zay Jones is one of the best players in the league. The connection between him and Lawrence today, Zay Jones finishes with 11 for 145, and so many of them were beautiful <laughs> timing routes. He just hasn't missed throws in three weeks, Trevor Lawrence. My big thing with him was, is he aiming it and throwing the ball where he aims it? And it's like that, that hadn't been the case for a while, and he's been like lights out for three straight games. It was really impressive. Well, their, And their characterization early on was like they had chances to win in the fourth quarter, and they were like 0 for 6 on those chances. This, these final three scoring drives for the Jaguars – Lawrence, 15 for 19 for 173 yards with two touchdowns, converted three third down throws and two fourth downs. And we've been asking all along, where's the signature win? Not demanding it, just saying that would be the thing that make us makes us think differently about Lawrence. And previous to this, he notched PFF's number three and number two top scoring grade over his p- previous two games. Today, he hit his highest next-gen stat passing grade of the season. It's happening. It's good coaching. He's making the throws. He has had great chemistry with Kirk, and now you throw Zay Jones in there. It's an interesting team to watch. He's, he's playing very clean. Like, he's not making any big mental errors. And then now that you're mixing in the great throws, too, uh, there's a lot to be excited about. And now I'm going to give it to the Ravens' defense. And not just because they mm. cost us, uh, Mark. The, Lo- the Lock brothers, you know, <laughs> so sturdy throughout the years. 
This is just a little, uh, you know, ATN lock it up trivia. This is the third time. The, the Ravens have blown four games in grisly fashion this year. I've locked them three of those games. Mm. And they, they have no idea how to close out a game. And as much as we want to talk about their defense um, having the ability to win games along with their running game, they have let down in a lot of these games. And I just want to go through that last possession for Jacksonville. That was outrageous how bad the defense from Baltimore was, how many plays they gave up. They weren't protecting the sidelines. They were just get wide receivers uh, wide open all over the field. They, the Jacksonville Jaguars had a third and 21 after a sack from Baltimore at their own 14-yard line with 151 left in this game and no timeouts. And from that point on, they gave up a 10-yard reception to make it fourth and five. Uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence um, first down. Uh, then they go Trevor Lawrence, uh, 17 yards to Christian Kirk, um, eight yards to Zay Jones after a false start, a uh, one-yard run, a Trevor Lawrence pass to Zay Jones, 29 yards, and then the Marvin Jones touchdown pass. And these dudes and were And then the two-point conversion, and none of these plays were contested. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, I don't know if it was a prevent defense or whatever the scheme was, just seemed to be woeful and obviously uh, inefficient. Yeah, they were picking on Marcus Peters late in that game. Humphrey was in and out. I believe he was in for that last drive, but he had missed uh, a drive earlier in the fourth quarter. It's so frustrating for the Ravens' defense because I thought they played a, a pretty good game otherwise. Lawrence had been clean, but they forced a lot of stops in the first half. In the third quarter, Jaguars went three and out, three and out, and then the Ravens forced a fumble so that they had been doing their job. And then you just get to winning time and you blow it. And it's 18 points allowed in the fourth quarter. It's it's hmm. I mean, they this is the first game all season that they haven't had a 10 point lead. They were one, you know, one of the few teams in NFL history. That, that was true. And it was nine <laughs> and it was mid fourth quarter. And you can't put anything really on Lamar here because he had two fourth quarter touchdowns like he had to set them up multiple times here uh, where the Jaguars came back and he responded well. He, there, I feel like too much is on him still. Like a lot of their offense early was him scrambling on third and long and him just picking it up. He ends up with 89 yards. They didn't really have much of a running game. They had a number of drops and you're counting on him to make like the one of the best throws of his career to Deshaun Jackson for uh, 62 yards on a play where Jaguars like dropped eight, like you're counting on those types of plays and Josh Oliver, they're blocking tight end to score a touchdown. You just feel like he's still doing a right. little too much. Although I guess it's hard to blame the offense. And there's, and there's really no excuse for you. I'm sure you're going to see it. If you haven't yet, he went off on a fan on Twitter who came after him as, you know, he doesn't deserve a contract. Look at this, which he shouldn't have done. The language he used was I'm sure regretful uh, when he wakes up in the morning or when he hears from, whoever it is that's going to find him. He defiled um, the Twitter uh, opponent. But, like, Lamar Jackson, yeah, beautiful throw to Deshaun Jackson after Gus Edwards fumbles the ball and causes the Jagu- or the Ravens to lose the lead. They, they're second and 20, and he hits D-Jax on the bomb, leads him to the touchdown, and then the defense blows the game. It's like, of course it wasn't on Lamar, but I've now seen enough from the Ravens, like from like the power rankings perspective, for example. I've been kind of in my mind making excuses for them all season and being like, you know what, they're fine. Look at this. They should have won this game. They didn't win this game, but they look how good they were here. This has happened too many times. I, I also think we're in an AFC where the better teams have an embarrassment of riches on offense in terms of their weapons, and it is you are kind of asking Lamar to do it by himself because – 
I think when they lost Rashad Bateman, they're completely exposed at wide receiver. You lose Mark Andrews for a game or two. There's nothing around him. Right. What other quarterback is in this situation on a team that people are still saying they could go win a couple playoff games? Right. Demarcus, well, let's see. Demarcus Robinson dropped a touchdown. That was a four-point play, like on a great play by Lamar. Like that, that could have been the difference in the game. Mark Andrews dropped a touchdown, although they ended up scoring on that drive. Anyways, like pe- people were letting him down all over the place. Quickly, we we got to mention that they went for two. There was a couple coaching decisions in this game that were fascinating, but we, we've sort of passed right by it that they the go for two, the Jaguars, to go win the game there. They could have kicked the ball to go for overtime, and I love that. I love them feeling that moment. It happened twice today, yeah. and it worked twice today. Yeah. Right, and the other one I didn't feel as good about in the moment, but the way the Jaguars' offense was moving the ball there, that felt like the best chance to win the game, and I love that Peterson – uh, did it, and that Lawrence rewarded it. we got to see more of that. That's yes, cool. That's yes. And remember, Twitter is the playground of idiots. Noel Gallagher once said how any Ravens fan could watch that game and come after Lamar after seeing what the defense did mm. laying down in that game. But Justin Tucker, it looked like he won he the game. He made that. It, well, that's <laughs> 67. Calm down, Greg. One second. 67 yards, and it was straight down the middle. But then let's hear the call from the Jaguars. From 67 yards, Tucker puts a foot to it. The 67-yard field goal is no good! (laughs) No good! The Jaguars win it! What a win for Jacksonville! And that's a, that's a silly building with the with the guy in the thong, the mascot, and the chlorine tank and everything. But that that was a pretty good home field advantage if, today. If you freeze frame that kick and it's just a, like you go know, three quarters through it, I will bet my lease cart that like that thing's going in. And then bang, <laughs> it's not. It look I mean, it looked perfect. Well, if it's leased, that though, angle. what happens there? Well, I, I don't yeah. know. I'd have to deal with the dealership. I don't know what I Yeah, I'd some insurance I don't issues. Own many, I don't own property. The cr- so what am I supposed to do? Long day of you? phone calls at the very least. I'm glad you mentioned the the crowd because it almost felt like the crowd knew that they were watching something special. It was really great throughout the fourth quarter. They're a great football town. We know how supportive they've been. And I think Dan, Doug Peterson, we saw him celebrating right at the end. I think it was like his hands on his knees. It was a little extra because their squib kick to set up that uh, kick would have gone down as one of the worst coaching decisions of the year. There was only 14 seconds left when they kicked it off. It was a bad idea, I guess, but it was even worse execution. They got the ball at the 40-yard line, and they had only burned four seconds off the clock. It was a disaster of a decision that almost handed over the game. I mean, Doug Peterson would have been absolutely killed. Just kick it or kick it high and deep and short, but to the five-yard line. That's the great thing about winning because no one's going to ever talk about that ever again after tonight. Check you later. We're just getting started. Let's take a break, and then we'll roll on week 12. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. 
But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back. We keep spinning our way through week 12. Let's head to the Meadowlands where the Jets began the Mike White era. Back to throw. Looks over the middle. Throws one. It is caught by Garrett Wilson at the 35-yard line. Makes Uh-oh. a man miss at the 30. Sprints right to the 20. To the 15. That's Garrett Wilson's player, dog. Touchdown. Garrett Wilson with a catch and run. A 55-yard touchdown. It's on. Do it. <laughs> Bob with shoes in and Marty Lyons with the call. WEPN. Mike White stepped in for the benched Zach Wilson and threw three touchdown passes and was almost perfect. Two of those to Garrett Wilson, the other to Elijah Moore, just to rub it in uh, Wilson's face even more. Zach Wilson, that is. And the Jets roll over a beat-up Bears team, 31-10 on Sunday. And, uh, boys, there's two ways to look at this one. Both have merit. One, don't read into it too much. It's against the Bears, who are in tank mode at this point. They're beat up. They're one of the worst defenses in football. And I get that, because you do. You will need to see more from Mike White than just this game. But then there's the other side, that White running this offense effectively and efficiently and getting the, balls, it, the ball into the hands of the Jets' playmakers – was a revelation and confirmation to all the players that really made this move happen. I mean, I think it's a massive victory for the Jets where we stand right now. We'll see what happens with Mike White, but Mike White has produced before in spot starts. I think, secondly, this was all about the coaching staff listening to the players, listening to the locker room, and they tidied that mess up quick. Maybe listen to the front office. Sure, but I mean, in general, there's got to be enough people saying we need to make a change, and there wasn't a lot of st- – it wasn't – instead of being stubborn about it, they handled correctly. And then on the field, Mike White, in in a rain, in, a, in rough weather, is making throws. And Garrett Wilson, who went off a week ago, Elijah Moore, who's essentially been invisible. I mean, these guys are now part of the offense, and I don't care if it's a bad defense. You went out and put 31 points up. You right. were functional. So it's like that's what other teams have been doing to the Bears. That's what you just did to the Bears. Right. Yeah, he had the uh, the highest quarterback rating, Mike White, uh, for a Jet since Geno Smith back in 2014. It all ties back. Uh, 
look, that Garrett Wilson play is the perfect play to point it out. Garrett Wilson is a beast. I think he could have been, or maybe he still could be, offensive rookie of the year. He just looks so good when he gets the chance. And the way he opened up his hips and just okey-doke the defender there reminds you of Odell Beckham a little bit as a, as a youngster in, in New York. But that play can give some credit to Mike White because it's absolutely a timing throw where he gets it over the first level of defense and in front of the second level. And if you don't have that ball there exactly on time, Wilson's not going to have the space to go make that play. And I don't think Zach Wilson is making that play. Not not the same way. We, we know Zach Wilson isn't making that play in the same way. So that part of the conversation's over for me for, for a yeah. while. It's just yes. what can this team do now? And with the schedule that they have, uh, at least for Mike White, I think he's going to keep putting up good numbers. Yeah, I can't wait to see him again because if you know his backstory. Two years ago, he he became a, a brief sensation with the team uh, by beating Cincinnati and throwing for 400 yards. Played Thursday night football, got injured immediately and missed that game. Then had a meltdown performance where he threw four picks against Buffalo and was out of the lineup until now. But if you've watched these Zach Wilson starts, the issues went beyond the opponent. So you can't just say, and if there are Zach Wilson defenders out there, say, well, if he got a chance against the Chicago defense, he would have done the same thing. No. Because the things that White was doing that made him look so different today, his ability to keep his eyes up, not be obsessed with the pass rush, get skittish, run around, hang in there, fine, and then just deliver strikes and be accurate with the football. And I think one thing that kind of has been under the radar because of the quarterback is how talented some of these playmakers are. And Garrett Wilson, and it's a sliding doors moment because the Jets were the other finalists for Tyreek Hill and he kind of turns his back in the last second and goes to Miami, so the Jets pivot and draft Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is a star here. Elijah Moore has that ability as well, and uh, it's fun to see the offense just being run in an efficient, professional manner because it wasn't that anymore. This is all we were asking. Just That's get, it. Like, relatively competent quarterback playing up more than that today. I do, I mean, like, you know, not to dig it all up, but it's like I do wonder what this coaching staff, how they viewed Mike White versus Zach Wilson in, in camp, in practices. Um the person behind the scenes. And I just kind of wish, uh, looking at the two Patriots games specifically, that you had a chance to have Mike White helm one of them. It would have been a big difference maker. But you're here now, and so you just have to wave all that goodbye. I'd be surprised if we see, see Zach Wilson, who was in street clothes today, inactive again this year. There'd be no reason. Every time they showed him. Yeah. I mean, it was – and again, like Mark mentioned it, it was raining and raining hard at times, very hard, and it didn't matter. This offense moved the ball really well. And every time they cut to Wilson and he's getting just poured on in the rain, wearing the Jets gear with a hood over him, like what was going through his head? You can't even imagine. But the Jets as an organization have moved on from all of that with this game. And that and that feels good as a fan because for the first time since uh, the Brees Hall injury, I'm like, okay, you could start opening your mind up to higher ambition for the season again because the quarterback play was better for one week. They're seven and four. One week. They showed an ability to put 466 yards on the board against, I would say, the worst defense in the league. But that's that's part of the point is like, okay, when you play the worst defense in the league, you can put 466 on the board. There, I didn't think that they were going to be capable of doing that before. Mike White doesn't have the you know physical tools uh, that that you would expect out of a, a great draft prospect, but he's not like a rookie. He was in the Mitch Trubisky draft class. Right. Like, he's been around. He's been in the league now since 2018. He was undrafted, I think, in 2017. He kicked kicked around. Like, he has experience, and 
mentally, I think he knows where to go with the ball in this system, which really asks for right answers. And can he be better than a Nick Mullins was, for instance, for Mike McDaniel back in San Francisco? I think he can probably be better than that with, with this talent, and that's what he needs to do. Next week, they are at Minnesota, and I think that is a mm. really interesting game for both teams, but especially for Jet fans now who are going to live and be in, have the high life again off this quarterback performance. But until you see it again from White against a good opponent, you're going to wonder if it's fool's gold. That is He's a, a star in New York this week, though. I That's mean, the, Mike, feel the Mike White chants were back. Uh, very interesting. Uh, it's been an interesting season as a Jets fan. Great game for you, too, because you know who led this uh, this game in tackles. Oh, I know. Sanborn. Sanborn with Kinda 14. Got everything. got everything I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, so that's my favorite team. Greg's favorite team is the Seahawks, and they welcome welcome oh, the Raiders team rude. into not their true. building, looking to uh, wipe away their pre-buy loss uh, in Munich. But guess what? The Raiders aren't laying down. Hands off to Jacob. Stutters to the right. Burst through the hole. 20, 25, 30. He's off to the races here in Seattle. Nobody's going to catch him. 25, 20, 10. Ball game. Bye-bye, Josh. 86 yards in overtime. Touchdown, Raiders. Victory, Las Vegas. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean... Gravedigger, how does Josh Jacobs on a 300-yard day, yards from scrimmage, not get the bongos? Well, you said it right before the call. It's Greg's favorite team. We don't want to, like, are we celebrating uh, Greg's we're, sadness? We're, well, we're yeah. celebrating Whatever your we sadness. Yeah, you locked up reasons. the Seahawks. That's why he didn't. <laughs> oh, because you locked up the Seahawks. Anyway. A producer yes. who uses his powers for evil will be noted. <laughs> Josh Jacobs. Uh, ran 33 times for 229 yards, including, yes, that 86-yard jaunt in overtime. And for the second time in as many Sundays, the Raiders walk off an opponent with a touchdown. I can't believe – I can't imagine that's happened too many times. 40-34 to 34 over the Seahawks. And, um, you know, Greggy, um, we'll get to the Seahawks because it feels like their bugaboo, that defense, uh, is once again – going to be a major issue for them but for the Raiders you gotta give it up to them because they had no reason to go up there and play this hard and play this well and yet they perform well and they're kind of just hanging around a little bit they're they're a tough offense to defend and anytime Seattle got a stop in this game it felt like they had scored some huge victory like they were just going downhill Jacobs ends up with over 300 yards from scrimmage total that's outrageous he's playing and didn't get the bongos (laughs) <laughs> didn't get the bongos playing at an elite level. Devontae Adams only quote unquote seven for 74, but had an incredible one handed catch to, to set up the game tying touchdown. And then Max Crosby on defense with sacks in back to back crucial situations, one to end the drive in overtime, the other to end the drive at the end of regulation. He's playing at an all pro level like they have players yep. and car. Got intercepted a couple times. That was misleading. One of them, Adams, wasn't paying attention. 
uh, to the. It was on the first play of the the entire game. It was a good ball. The second one was more of a great play by the Seattle defense, where it hit the Raiders uh, receiver in the hands. Carr was so comfortable. The Seahawks got no pressure on him, and he knows just when to get out of the pocket, when to let go of the ball. And their offense today, and we've seen this a handful of times this year, like looked like one of the better offenses in the entire NFL. Well, I think when they can run the ball this way, it helps Carr a lot. And they, and there was that period where I thought that's what they were going to become like a ground dominant force that can overpower teams. And then that kind of was real hot and cold came and went. But if you, I, I love the car because those two picks came on the first three possessions. That's the formula for an entire team. That's on the brink to begin with, where it seems to be, there's a disconnect between quarterback and coach offense and coach team and coach coach and maybe owner who can't pay for another coach or a lot of things going on. <laughs> and yet they're four and seven. And I believe it's six of their losses have been by one score. So they've right. been in these games. They're not getting their doors blown off. And you went and beat a Seattle defense that outside of today had been trending upward over and over. I didn't love them against the Bucks, I guess, in Germany. But like still only gave up de- 21. Right. Their defense like had been an asset and not a weakness, and the Raiders just put it on them. And uh, I thought the defense and then Josh Jacobs and the offensive line, of course, uh, got their head coach off the hook because I was saying it in real time in the newsroom hated hated the overtime decision first possession the Raiders set up for a on fourth and two and a day when they have rolled up over 400 yards of total offense and an era when everybody's going for it they they said I know Daniel Carlson is an excellent kicker they settle for a 56 yard attempt and it's not even a game-winning attempt because it was their ball first and Carlson pushes it wide right Seattle gets the ball near midfield only needing a field goal and this Las Vegas defense stands strong, gets the three and out, punts it back, and Jacobs busts the first run for the game winner. So I, I didn't love the way McDaniels played it. I'm a little, obviously, as many Raiders fans, I'm sure, are lukewarm at best on the McDaniels era so far. Uh, but just to circle back to your point, Greg, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, those guys are superstars on each side of the ball. Derek Carr is, a, I think, a good quarterback, not a great one. Josh Jacobs... I'm not going to say he's a superstar, but he's playing like one this year. He's actually 100 yards clear, the next closest running back in the uh, rushing title race right now. Like, this team has no business not being in the playoff mix, and maybe they still have a chance. They got to get hot well, here, but we'll see. In the in the AFC, I would say they don't have a chance. I, I, in, they could run the table, and then they'd have a chance, and that seems a little I much. I don't know if you necessarily have to run the table, but you have to. You probably have a- one, one loss of wiggle room, maybe. AFC, I think you're going to need – 10 wins. It just looks well, so they, We so always deep. think that, though. That they're going to have to sweep and you Los did Angeles last in back-to-back weeks. you got the Chargers and Rams. I don't like this. And, Dan, you mentioned maybe the Chiefs in the final game of the season are sitting people. But you got the 49ers and Chiefs to close the season and a tough Patriots defense. A- I, I don't see it, but I am impressed with today. AFC, I mean, if they were in the NFC, I'd, g- I'd give them a chance. That seventh spot might get I mean, We could feel the team that would make the NFC playoffs. A, a little wonky. Point, well, so I get yeah, a little wonky. But you're right. McDaniels was frustrating. <laughs> Every fourth down call he made seemed to be wrong. He also kicked a field goal to tie it on fourth and one inside the 10-yard line in the third quarter. And and again, like, okay, you want to tie the game, but it's not just Jacobs who was running 6.9 yards per carry. Zamir White, 14 yards per carry on two. Amir Abdullah, three for 16, like every time they ran the ball. So that drove me crazy. And then they did go for it at midfield 
on fourth and one, and they had a toss play where they lost yards and didn't get it, and I think that was in his head. Uh, but they looked like they were the better team. They dominated up front on both sides. They got after Geno Smith a lot more uh, than, than vice versa, and their offensive line played really well and really dominated Seattle's defense in a way that – is a little concerning. This was a game where I, I think they felt the absence of Jamal Adams, just so many big plays and and just the secondary, a lot of confusion going on for Seattle's defense. And Seattle's got a few little problems popping up. Kenneth Walker now is at three straight games where he really hasn't gotten anything going mm. on the ground. He's been okay in fantasy because he scores a touchdown or he makes a big play as a receiver, but they were dominated when they tried to run the ball and they just don't make as much sense. Gino mostly had a good day after a, after a poor start, but the running game in a lot of situations just put him in a tough what spot. What thing about Geno Smith, he he had a couple, again, every game whether it's good or bad, he'll throw a couple throws it's like, that's Geno Smith? Whoa. He, had, he has seven touchdowns that have had a completion probability of under 25% this season. No other quarterback has more than three. He's making those incredible Their, their drives, they, when they went on a drive, it went fast. They had at least five plays over 20 yards. It might have been more than that. Like, a lot of big plays. But it wasn't consistent, and and I think that's partly because of the running game. Geno made a couple of bad decisions early, he got away with, uh, and then he played really well. But they, they're they're just if their their defense, we'll see. I'm a little nervous. But little Dan, nervous. Mike White had eight of those throws today. Just to let you know, Ooh, did he? Look at that. I'm still tabulating, but I believe it's close to that. <laughs> God has walked into the Meadowlands. Seattle also had some bad calls go against them. I All thought. right, they Greg. overturned. Okay, Greg, Greg, I'm just Greg. saying, this, chapter eight. Can we move on? This Greg? is just one of the key, the key you know, we leave parts the, of this. We game. leave the door open just a little bit. He He'll just come kicks in. it open. He just takes the door off the hinges and throws it off a mountain. I would say side. That you had the ball near midfield in overtime, needing a field goal. Absolutely. So let's you, you, know, you watch the play. Will you better. ever stop talking, the, Greg? The overturned <laughs> fumble by uh, Jacobs. Where or they 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 called forward progress. You watched it. I think it was one of the the most controversial ah, yes. call on uh, that Sunday was, that, that they did not allow what unfair. appeared to be a pretty clear fumble by Jacobs because they said forward progress. Can you imagine being Greg's next door neighbor like in the summer when the windows are all open in Greg's house? <laughs> let's let's try something. Let's, Can you imagine living with me? Let's tr- let's pause. Nobody say anything for five seconds. Greg, don't jump in, and then we're gonna go to break. You ready? Okay. It's good. Meant for this podcast. That is progress. We'll be right back. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? 
I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, welcome back. And the Cleveland Browns welcome Tom Brady into their house. How would it turn out? Let's check it out. McCoy to throw, back to pass. He's got time. He's up in the pocket. He's got an open field. He's to the 15. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He dives. He is 10. Touchdown. 16-yard touchdown run by Colt McCoy. <laughs> yeah, that was just a little pre-Christmas present for Mark Sessler. Right. The fabled, if you listen to this uh, podcast, a lot, 2010 Patriots-Browns game that Mark talks about constantly. Colt McCoy going in in the 34-44 The only time win. that Tom Brady had lost to the Cleveland Browns in his long and winding career. I mean, that was that the slowest, like, 15-yard <laughs> touchdown scramble you ever seen? Greg, you can, why, you is, why would you need to say that now in a moment of celebration for Colt McCoy? So that was Mark's favorite moment in this rivalry. Uh, but Tom Brady, again, having trouble with the Browns today. Percent underneath center. They give the ball to Chubb. He's driving for the goal line. He is. He's in. He's in. Touchdown. Nick Chubb. And the Browns are winners. They ran right behind James Hudson right up the gut with the best running back in the league. What a comeback when your season was on the line. I'm sorry. Was Josh Jacobs in this game? No. No. Jim Donovan in 2010. Jim Donovan. In 2022, because Nick Chubb scored on a three-yard run with 19 seconds left in overtime. And the Cleveland Browns in Jake Brisket's final start. Somebody tweeted at me, the other, uh, I think yesterday, like, how could you work for the NFL and not even know Jacoby Brissett's real name? <laughs> Twitter is the playground of idiots. Uh, anyway, Jake Brisket's final start before Deshaun Watson's return. A 23-17 win over the Bucks, And afterwards, uh, Brissett, and he really played admirably uh, throughout this entire run. He got the game ball, uh, and he had this to say uh, after the game. I mean, it's in no disrespect, uh, but in the words of Tom Brady, that was f***ing awesome. <laughs> that was f***ing awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Hard not to root for that guy, Nick Shook. The Pipe, who joins us now, uh, one of uh, Ohio's brightest sons. And Shook, I know you um, – I know this has been a uh, difficult time for Cleveland Browns fans, and it's about to get weird on some level, depending on your outlook when Watson comes back next week. But what a nice way for the Jake Brisket era to end, huh? 
a nice way. I'm, I still can't get over the Colt McCoy flashback there. That was way out of left field. <laughs> on point, I was, I was on completely point. shocked. You know, it's very pleasant, but uh, yeah, a great way for him to go out and, and, you know, I mean, statistically, it's been a career year for him. It, it obviously puts them on a lower ceiling offensively, but they produced a, a good amount of points with him at quarterback. He's played very well. And and you're right. What what a way to go out to beat a, a quarterback who used to be, you know, you used to serve as an understudy for in New England. Uh, really a poetic ending and, and an unlikely outcome. I mean, so many things had to go right for the Browns for them to even be in this position. David Ajoku, who has drawn the ire of Browns fans in the past for having inconsistent hands, makes the catch of his life one-handed on fourth and 10 with the game on the line uh, just to get them to overtime, and then they're able to hit a long completion. It, it, it was a strange game. Uh, the weather wasn't good. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good. And they come away victorious. That's the Browns. I mean, we I, I forked them last week, and that doesn't change anything, but it is a nice little pleasant game for, for Browns fans and for Cleveland to be happy about something, especially after what happened in college football yesterday. So uh, it... it it was weird, but it's a win for the Browns, nonetheless. Well, Cleveland this season, along with their offense being productive, I know this, they, they seem sometimes like opening drive magic and then they'll go to sleep, but the issue has been defense, wire to wire. And I just wanted to see the Bucks coming out of Germany where they were so balanced against the Seahawks. They ran the ball really well. They put up 17 points today. Was that more about Cleveland's defense finally looking competent um, and not totally lost on the ocean? Or is this just the Bucks' <laughs> offense going back to what we'd seen prior to the Seahawks' tilt? I think it's more of the latter. Uh, a lot of deep shots testing Martin Emerson, the rookie, in one-on-one situations with Mike Evans. Drew some P.I. calls, but actually Emerson didn't allow a single reception for Evans in the day. Uh, it, it was an offense that seemed almost a little too confident in the past. It didn't rely on the run as much. you got to give some credit to the Browns, who have been terrible against the run this season. They really stuffed uh, Rashad White as the lead back in that in that offense. I mean, I anticipated him for break to break 100 yards and run all over the Browns, and, and they end up winning by one score or whatever, and that's just not what happened. So they did play better, especially in the second half when they needed stops. And again, like you're right, Mark, that's been the story of the Browns offense this entire season. You have a great opening script. You get a touchdown. You take the kickoff because, you know, you receive to start the game because you know you have a good game plan. Then they just fall flat. They showed a graphic during this game, 44 minutes between possessions and three of their losses, or between touchdowns and three of their losses, and they were over 44 minutes today before they scored again. That's what made it so weird is the fact that they were able to somehow wake up and go down the field, and it was a lengthy drive that they had to put together to then go score and send it to overtime. But yeah, credit to the defense. Joe Woods has been under fire all year, and, and at times they look bad again, but... I think it's more it about was, the Bucks um, at this point. I mean, yeah. at least yeah, just they took based on his history, it's like we're talking about that Seattle game, and you know they didn't they didn't do that well putting up enough points. I think against Seattle, but there was a stretch in the second half here after the Bucks went up seventeen ten. They got the ball seven more times. That's almost an entire game's worth of drives. They didn't score a point obviously because it was seventeen ten. They had six first downs in those seven drives. They had 91 yards. They had multiple chances to win the game. They couldn't do it. Like, that is a sickening loss if you're a Bucks fan and if you're Tom Brady and trying to believe that this offense has is turning some sort of corner to go seven scoreless drives. They didn't even turn the ball over. They were just bad to end this game. Yeah, and they, you know, at a certain point, um, you don't want to make it um... – too simplified, but they just don't score enough points. This team. I mean, you you look at you look at their schedule this year, and I'm just let's go back since week five, 21, 18, 3, 22, 16 in a win, 21 in a win, and now 17 in an overtime loss. 
And we're deep enough into the season where it's like, oh, look out here because this might just be a limited offense. Tristan Wirth su- suffered what looked like a terrible uh, leg injury. So their left tackle, stalwart, very good chance that he's done until tw- 2023. And Shook, I know with the Browns, they're the same as the Raiders. They're they're interesting uh, when you compare them to the Raiders, another AFC team that's four and seven that has used up all of their um, rope, as it were. Like they have no margin for error here. But even if the playoffs are a pipe dream with Deshaun Watson, and they do get a layup next week against the Texans. They're going to be a berserker down the stretch because they play teams tough. They've hung in almost every game this season. I wouldn't want to face the Browns. It gives the this Brown the fan base consolation because. They have a reason to watch the Browns, even if they don't have a shot to make the playoffs, because you get kind of a trial with Watson going into the next season. And maybe you get a Mangini type run where you win your last mm. four and carry some momentum into the offseason like he did with the Browns. Those Browns, by the way, those same Browns as Colt McCoy back in the day. Uh, and maybe that's how they go yeah, that, into the offseason with some positive him. momentum. Oh. Yeah, like, <laughs> why, 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 why is it? I don't know. I'm just why saying, when you it? say like Eric Mangini <laughs> carried all that momentum, I think you gotta, you know, it wasn't a great ending. Oh, no, 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 no. We know like that. the next thing I know, you're gonna say that the week after that Patriots game, what? Uh, the Jets walked them off in overtime. That I forgot. And sent the Browns down a death <laughs> That was spiral. a week after the Browns beat the. World champion defending Saints, by you, the way. We, so. we do have maybe a title for this episode. It's like rise of the three and seven teams that are better than their record. Jaguars, Raiders, Browns, they all sort of deserved one. <laughs> a bit wordy. It's like a it's little a wordy, but they all deserve one and they all got one. Four and seven heaven. Seal it, Ooh, sign it, go. deliver it. Uh, Shooky, you want to stay on for another game? We'd love to have you. Absolutely. Let's, Let's do it. Keep moving. Herbert from the shotgun. Win or lose. Eckler goes in motion. Herbert to pass. Caught. It's good. It's good. Herbert to Gerald Everett. And they take a one-point lead. A double slant. You had Keenan Allen going first. He drew all the attention right behind him. Gerald Everett with a layup touchdown. Or two-point conversion. 15 seconds on the clock. Fortune favors the bold. Oh, listen. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. The Bolts Bongos. The Bolts Bongos. Listen to the resin in Matt Moneysmith's voice. Wait, it's like a Tom Brokaw's un- unannounced child. Unannounced. Well, just like, we don't know the history, but it feels apt. Two teams went for two when they had a chance to kick an extra point and go to overtime today. Both those teams won their football games. Justin Herbert, who... Certain people will tell you is a social media quarterback. Threw three th- touchdown passes without an INT, including uh, that game winner to Gerald Everett on the two-point conversion. And the Chargers escape with a win over the Cardinals. Woo, Shooky. How about that? The Chargers 6-5 and five and a huge win. And for the Cardinals, a stomach punch loss that they're probably not going to recover from. You know, Cliff Kingsbury has talked about this on the Hard Knocks in season multiple times, how this, there's opportunities in front of them. And yet this was a huge wasted opportunity. They had three possessions in the fourth quarter alone where all they needed to do was pick up a few first downs and take some of that clock and take some of the time off the clock. You know, just bleed the clock, keep the ball out of the Chargers hands. Each time they went three and out, they can't, they gained a combined 16 yards in those three possessions. Twice they got the defensive stops. It looked like the Chargers couldn't get anywhere near within scoring range. And then they gave them the third opportunity. And it was that third opportunity when they set back to punish it. This is it. This is when they're going to score and win the game because 
you know, you only get so many opportunities in those situations. Justin Herbert goes down. It's kind of a short drive, but they convert. And then great play calling for the two-point conversion. Nice little motion out of the backfield. Distract the linebackers. Get a trail over the middle. Gerald Everett wide open for the two-point conversion. It, it, it The Cardinals, they blew it. They blew their opportunity to win this game. And it doesn't fall on their defense. Their defense did the job twice. It falls on Cliff Kingsbury and their inability to scheme mm. even one first down in the final quarter of this game. And, and that right there is the story of this Cardinals team the entire season. Opportunities wasted throughout the year. It was a shocking ending, not just because of you know the two-point conversion attempt and, and actually hitting it, which, which the Chargers have struggled in those situations in these short yardage where they go for it on fourth down. They just haven't been a good team there. It was shocking because until the fourth quarter, the Cardinals looked like the better team. They were getting everything that they wanted offensively. They, you mentioned they kept going three and out. Like Before that, it felt like Kyler Murray was doing everything he wanted to do, and the Chargers defense had no answers what whatsoever, and then it just totally flipped on a dime. Like the Chargers worked so much harder for their points in this game than the Cardinals did for their points, but the Cardinals kind of in a you're gonna find a way to lose off between these two teams who, who both it felt like loser energy, frankly, from both of these teams. Like the Cardinals had had more loser energy. Big loser energy. <laughs> BLE. That's my only thing I have to say about that. <laughs> That's a great comment. <laughs> Anything else, Shook? No, Any yeah, other takeaways uh, here? Well, uh, the only time that there was any winning energy was on the two-point conversion. That was it. Uh, well, but even it, even that I mean, one, that was great that they went for it, but it was shocking how easy it was. I don't know what Isaiah Simmons was doing on that play if they knew that was the matchup they were going to get ever on Simmons. Simmons is just sitting five yards into the end zone and barely makes a movement. Have you ever seen an easier two-point conversion? It, it was just pitch and catch. It was very strange. Not it was well, not. he bit on he was he had outside leverage right he bites on the outside fake as if he's not already in position to play right. on that it, it was bad it defense was from then but yeah what is the yeah. argument for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray as a duo to exist beyond the season money <laughs> That's I, I think I think it's, I think it's probably security. about how yeah. much money the ownership group is willing to I put think, into a new experiment yeah I think if it keeps going like this that they're I mean, gonna, this is a tough and also they're gonna tough to watch in anyways I think maybe I wonder if the uh, bidwills were looking at the news and they saw Matt rule just got a 10 billion dollar contract from Nebraska and all that offset money disappears you know the mm. Panthers don't have to worry about it anymore assuming the language is similar in uh, Kingsbury's because you know he'll get a job in sure. college whenever he wants uh, University I do of about Santa that. Barbara. Cliff, I don't know. He's no, got the, that no, house. No, the thing about colleges, he might... he'll get a big-time job. I know. I, yeah, not, just... I don't deny that. Like, that's not, you know. I, just named, that... I named a different college. Although a Spice small... Rack <laughs> likes to point out, he failed not in college. Powerhouse. I know. Like, his record in the NFL is, is right. literally better than it was in college. Well, he had it, terrible defenses would be the, like, right. the, he came in with some pedigree of, like, we don't know what sort sure. of offense he's going to run. What happened to OSU? Since you, you mentioned it, uh, Michigan pants them, as I understand. Um, Ohio State fans will hate me for this, but I tweeted about it. And I've been getting lit up about it since then. Uh, I think that they need to start considering a new coach because in the 1990s, oh. there was a coach named John Cooper who could recruit great and he could never beat Michigan. And if you can't beat Michigan, you're never going to contend for a national title. And that's starting to look like Ryan Day. Go get Urban Meyer. It's just two years. It's just two years. I mean, they had him. I know. Let's bring yeah, him back. Okay. But the fashion, Greg, the fashion in which they lost is bad. Mm. 
Greg, do you have a college take here? You pushing back on this? I'm just saying it seems emotional. They didn't lose Greg the game until Greg just has 14 that. TVs in front of him on Saturday it watching like all the college mass, football. It is literally no, what the whole it. season I'm boils down to for Ohio they're State They're 12-1, and, one and they, you know, they lost one game. It's only two games here. That Greg, lost. you may not have your hand on the pulse of Ohio <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I'm just saying if you're agreeing with Albert Breer's Ohio State takes, you probably got the wrong takes. Whoa, whoa. Love whoa, it. I'm not agreeing. Wow. I'm putting my own out there. <laughs> Speaking of uh, takes, I had a hard take against the uh, the club in England, the Three Lions Club. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, just watch out, Team USA. You're never going to beat us. You never have and you never will. Very quiet. Didn't hear a lot from the English listeners. No. no. To where they were they they, they were, were lucky to, to get a tie. They were, no. they, it felt like a moral victory for England to get a tie in that game. Anyway, we're you know what track. else was a moral victory, by the way? What? When I locked up the Chargers. What a genius pick <laughs> oh, here. Boy. You know what? I have to say this. Um, you said this is your quote to me yes. after the game. Quote, your joy in this moment weakens me. That's how much Dan wants me to fail. Because well, not only it, you know what it is. It wasn't he wasn't even I didn't gloating. say a word. He wasn't gloating. You and I, Mark, we lose on a two point conversion. Right. <laughs> this son of a wins on a two point conversion. Yeah, it was gloating energy. I'm and not saying he you verbalized just, it, but yeah. He was just so happy. Exactly. I just wanted to take the monitor yeah. and just just crush it and just take the happiness out of him. See your little laptop? What does that Watch say it goes about you and, what it, and our relationship in it this program? It says I'm a monster. Ooh, always and feels then, good to hurt you. And friends. then, you, yeah, you said, <laughs> yeah, Zumwalt had a great take on that, uh, that, that you want to be the hero in someone's life, but you first you want to, Put them on the ground before you can become the hero. That was <laughs> like a oh, manufactured that's hero. Yeah. Hero <laughs> move. Like, that's dark. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure what what Jason. I, I think we we traffic in uh, bits about darkness all the time, but I'm not sure if he understood Jay that people might not understand the context there, <laughs> unless that's something I actually do do. Well, you need to. <laughs> but I don't even know what that means. Really. I think you could take a just. I do, I don't suggest yeah. that you do that, but maybe just in your own personal time. Yeah, kind of I in think, the middle yes. of the night. Just explore the comment versus right. shooting it down on the show right now. Just sort of explore mm. it. All right. Because I'm, I'm not saying, it. by the way, that I agree with Jason someone. I think that's a – I don't know what he's doing. Right. Explore yeah. why I, you want to crush me with a computer and what, what that comes well, from. Because you... afterwards <laughs> when the Seahawks won, yes. uh, the Seahawks lost, you were like, well, at least we've got that. That will humble you a little bit and make you not feel as good. Yes. But you're you're wrong, actually, because I get... had locked up the Seahawks originally, and I switched off the lock. That's the switch of the year. Um. <laughs> If you want to know why I felt that way, just ask the other person sitting next to you sure. who felt the same way, and then wonder why all those people around you just want to crush your head with a monitor. No, it's mostly just you two. This is, this is where we well, need according Wes. according to you. We need Wes to balance it out. According to you. I, I have a parting word. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm glad that it, this is one of those rare moments where I'm glad that my monitors are 2,500 miles away from me. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. Nick Shook, thank you very much. The pipe. And while we're talking about yes. locks, I should have mentioned yes. the Cincinnati Zoo locked up the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets via Twitter late in the week, but got it in in time. Pre so. or post the line moving past lock zone? That is a great question. I think it was before because we thought Justin Fields was questionable. Fields was time. questionable. I believe it was a six-point line at that point. I mean, point. It, I think it speaks volumes. Mark said it all. Is this the new one? It is. There's a lot of honking from the zoo about like bold picks and things. And we're taking it. You're blocking against Trevor Simeon. In the road. I like this. This is an upgrade. 
All right, let's move on now to the game that was supposed to be the matchup of the year on paper. The games are made on paper. In motion, Jody Fortson right to left. Fake handoff to Pacheco. Backing up further is Mahomes. Guns it over the middle. Caught. 20-yard line into the 15-yard line. Angling near side with the block. 10-5. Kelsey stretches out for the end zone. Touchdown! Kansas City! Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in National Football League history. Oh, Greggy. Mitch Holtis getting in the debate that we began last Sunday night when talking about who is the best tight end ever. Travis Kelsey certainly in the discussion as he continues to put up numbers um, that we've rarely seen at the position. He had uh, a touchdown, the only touchdown throw from Patrick Mahomes, but nobody had to do much against this Rams team right now. A 26-10 win for the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Bryce Perkins played quarterback in this one, Mark Sessler. It's if they when they scheduled this, they thought we were going to get some version of the Rams that simply does not exist on one side of the ball right now. Bryce Perkins taking snaps, running all over the place. His scrambling ability is his offering, what he offers as an asset. Very little else. But you're throwing to Tutu Atwell. Karen Williams is running the ball. It's just like this is a completely different cast of characters. And I kind of give the Rams defense... Um, some credit. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was absolutely fried on that one Travis Kelsey touchdown. And it's like the 18th week in a row. I feel like Jalen Ramsey's doing something where it's like, mm. I'm sorry, who? What's your you're Jalen Ramsey or are you a post version of Jalen Ramsey? But they stopped. Cultures. They stopped the Chiefs. Um, and they held them to field goals on drives that ended at the Rams three, four, nine, and 13. So the red zone defense showed up. Uh, Aaron Donald caused a lot of problems. But it's kind of like the Chiefs were able to just go through the motions. Andy Reid seemed a little irritated coming out of halftime. He thought that there were issues with the red zone. He called it terrible. And yet that didn't unlock them for 30-something second-half points. This was just sort of a on the journey of this season. Patrick Mahomes still did beautiful things. He had an end zone interception and was kept at bay a little bit by the Rams. But they still got it done. And in the end, like the Rams are a non-functional offense that also – came into the game with no Allen Robinson. So just the, it's a it's a bare cupboard. Allen Robinson, who needs surgery on a, a stress reaction in his foot. So his deeply disappointing first season with the Rams is over. We'll see what his future is in Los Angeles. And this is the first five-game losing streak ever uh, for the Rams under Sean McVay. Sean McVay, in what was a, um unfortunate snapshot of their season as a whole, gets absolutely clocked on the sideline by one of his own players running onto the field, had a swollen jaw uh, for the rest of the game after that. And, yeah, the Chiefs, this is one of those games where they didn't have to do much. It was the old Milton Berle routine, just show enough to win, and that's what they did, and they're 9-2, and and the Rams cannot get to January fast enough. I think Sean McVay is going to – I wouldn't say black eye, but there's going to be some – some issues there tomorrow when he wakes up and the skin and the adrenaline. Especially when he watches the tape and sees who did it to him and well, that guy's just, no longer on the team. Well, the, the beginning yeah, there, of the problems. There was a report that that's from ESPN that Stafford you know, is questionable to return the rest of this season, which is more just confirming what makes sense. And we'll talk Rams in the offseason, but I, I think the number one thing is, is Stafford going to play next year? Is Aaron Donald going to play next year? Is Sean McVay going to be back? And it's crazy that they have these all these games to run out the string here, and now it's without Robinson. That injury happened on on Friday. It it's just depressing. I would have liked to seen a little more out of Pacheco in the running game. It's like this is almost a game you can work on some things, 
And I think they're going to need their running game. And I like the way Pacheco runs, but they w- they weren't particularly efficient running the ball today. And I, I think well, they're gonna the need Rams that at some defense point. did show up. I think it yeah. wasn't you can't just was, do what you want against Aaron Donald. And and also, you know how it is. And so, sometimes in these type of games where it's such a mismatch and one of the teams is so down low, usually because it's one of those Murphy Law seasons, you don't maybe the uh, team that wins doesn't get all the way up. It doesn't have that same energy to it, and you just kind of just take care of and business. And they, they had a lead early. I don't like the whole greatest tight end of all time thing, just like putting it on him, recency bias, when for most of his career, everyone would recognize he wasn't the best tight end in the league. I would say he's not the best tight end in Chiefs history. That'd be Tony Gonzalez, a lot more first-team All-Pros. You have other guys in that division, Kellen Winslow, you know, Shannon Sharp, Antonio Gates. Like, is he getting to be in that mix? Kelsey, I would say, would be in that mix. But to just, like, put him all over all these guys because he's had a couple of good weeks seems... Not I mean, good he's weeks. Had a great. He's had a tremendous great, career. Had a, like Trem- Ozzie Newsom, I'd throw in that. Right. Ozzie, to, he's had a tremendous career, but I think this year. Kyle Brady. Is starting to put him sure. up with those guys. But there's no reason why he's suddenly like zoomed past all those think, guys. That's all. And I, I'll, I'll use one of your own Patriots in this argument. I think one thing helping Kelsey is as he's getting deeper into his 30s, he's remaining elite. Just like Brady put everyone right. in the dust because he stayed great. For an extra five, seven, eight, nine years now, um, maybe this is Kelsey. What's going to separate him as he's a high end guy fair. into if his thirties? If he 30s. stacks two or three more years like this, then it's kind of crazy. All right, now two. Uh, let's move to a matchup between two NFC teams with playoff aspirations: Atlanta, Washington. The loser in bad shape. The winner feeling good. Let's see what happens. I guess that's every game. <laughs> Sure, that's but sort of how it works. Within the um, <laughs> when you look at it through the prism of the NFC playoff race, especially so. I think you explained it well. All right. Back to pass is Mariota. Ball's tipped. It's in the air. And is it picked off in the end zone? The commander said they picked it off. Did Kendall Fuller get it? Waiting for the signal. Reception. Kendall Fuller. Kendall Fuller is hanging out for dear life. He realizes how huge this is. The entire stadium is on their feet, realizing Washington just might have saved the game. Save the game. Maybe save the season. Bram Weinstein with the call. Who was that also? Because it wasn't London Fletcher. Julie Donaldson. Julie Donaldson as well, of course. WBIG. And it was Deron Payne getting his big paw up, getting the big meat hook up, putting the ball in the air, and then Kendall Fuller coming down with it, intercepting Marcus Mariota in the end zone with 58 seconds to play. And, man, it doesn't get bigger than that because it goes from the opportunity with Cordell Patterson, by the way, in your backfield who just runs people over in the goal line. Jesus Christ. You You instead drop back. To pass, <laughs> and instead of a 20 to 19 win, which seemed very possible in that moment, you lose 19 13. And that is six wins in seven games for the Commanders. You just got to give it up to this team. And Fuller sealed the game this week with a pick. He had a pick six last week at Houston. And um, this is just a team that is finding its way here as the season goes on. And it's defense that's getting the job done. They still don't have Chase Young. He, they kept him down for another week, but we might see him next week. But you have a running game also now that is coming and really coming along. Brian Robinson, I thought, looked excellent. This was the Brian Robinson that we heard about and saw in the preseason, 18 for 105 in this game, running hard, running fast. Washington, take them seriously. They're seven and five now. They are in the mix for real. And Robinson, you know, can catch the ball too. I thought this was. You're right. Like I was kind of watching this out the corner of my eye. A standout game, and their defense has been doing this week 
after week, and it's that line. So it's kind of like what Ron Rivera sold you. And I feel like every Ron Rivera season has like the get out of the gate slowly. Um, we have issues, right. and then we rip off four, five, six straight wins. I mean, this Washington team has not won six of seven dating back to 2012. It's been dark times. Um, I, I, I think you're going to rise and fall with Taylor Heineke, but I'm just sort of a Taylor Heineke fan. I'm not claiming that he's perfect, but he kind of fits on this team. And this is the one game where I thought he and Terry McLaurin didn't quite make a ton of production together because of A.J. Terrell on the Falcons. Had, had an, he was on McLaurin for most of the game and played one of his best outings all season. Right. Let's be real. There's not much separating all these teams in the NFC, Washington keeps winning games like this. But now there is separation here between these two teams specifically. The fact that the Washington gets to 7-5, and five, it's going to be between them, Seattle, the Giants, and, and maybe the 49ers are in that mix too for the last spot. And then there's a pretty big drop-off in the NFC to the teams that are two games under 500. So all those teams are going to get into the playoffs except for one, and Washington's put themselves in that position. And Washington yep. has the Giants, then they're by than the Giants. That's Stick. very interesting because I do think these teams are very, very close in terms <laughs> of ability in Washington. Obviously, he's just playing better right now. So if I'm a Giant fan, I'm very nervous that my season is taking a hard left turn. And Atlanta, they both these teams ran the ball really well. Another game in, in Northeast, not very good weather uh, today. So it was wet. Tyler uh, Algier. Algier. D- Ooh, we're getting guy. close. We're getting close. I mean, by well, calendars. Not- it's the nomination. What's well, the holiday yeah. season too slows down? Um, I didn't want to bring processing it up. sometimes. I Greg, you do not understand how the U.S. mails operate, so I don't want to. Oh, also they're definitely have off for Thanksgiving. Having yeah. you know an expertise in that also. The government with the cutbacks. Ironic, you, you know, you take shots at the Pentagon. You're saying this is done. They tried stale to get mail? rid of the post office a few years ago. What Uncle Sam's trying to help you, despite some of the negative things you've said about the Pentagon. We'll see right. what happens if we can get this totally before Totally sound analysis on the Pentagon, by the way. Uh, Washington ran 37 times for 176 in this game. Atlanta, 29 for 167. But Atlanta, you know, they're playing without Kyle Pitts, and Mariota, again, makes the killer mistake It was like a tip, the end. little tip pass. I mean, I it know, is crazy how just, these yeah. <laughs> these plays come down to come a, on. a, a do play. I, do, I, do we need to defend Marcus No, Mariota? we don't. But not that, a, was a tip, that was a tip pass. But these games come down to, like, one play or two plays. And – it wasn't really just that tip pass. The play before it, they got a free rusher, James Smith-Williams, in on Mariota, and Montez Sweat ended up cleaning it up. You had first and goal at the two with 110 left there. You have Washington over a barrel. You're totally expecting you're the Falcons to be able to run that in, and you end up losing two yards on the first play. Uh, because of and Mariota ends up eating it for a couple yard loss, and then they feel like the need to throw the ball and surprise them. That's a little that's a little surprising. Yeah, and uh, in other Washington Commanders news, they unveiled a Sean Taylor memorial. Taylor, of course, the the great safety uh, who was shot to death in 2007 at the height of his career, and it's just crazy with this organization that they just can't seem to get anything right. They, they had Sean Taylor's family there, and they have a big curtain over what is the centerpiece of the memorial. They pull the curtain off, uh, the covering off, and it's um, a mannequin in, you know, a Sean Taylor uniform, uh, a wire mannequin behind glass, and it's not even an official uniform. It's mismatch. It's a Nike top, but Reebok pants, and then soccer World Cup cleats. And um, in general, it just... You even if you watch the video of it, you can see 
Taylor's family, and even they seem to have a look like. Um, well, I think the is video it? the video said it all because the the entire there's a large crowd there, and it 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 left um, a lot of mystified gazes at, at the and the, even like right there. down to the fact that obviously we know what happened with the the team name changed so they just have an old Redskins uniform there with the helmet and the logo and everything it's like we couldn't make we couldn't build that man a bronze statue and put out 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 in front this is what you come up with it's just they they never seem to get it right this organization yeah. maybe that changes in the future when some ownership changes happen but right now be better not good enough but they were good enough on the field today. And Ron Rivera, who a guy that we were burying, a guy we were saying, oh, it's time for them to find new leadership. He's doing a good job there, too. He does this every time. All right. Let us move on uh, to Charlotte, where the Carolina Panthers had yet another starting quarterback and Russell Wilson. Oh, Russell Wilson. Shotgun snap. Darnold, quarterback keeper. Darnold lost the uh, football. Has to dive on it. And nobody, I'm not sure anybody touched Sam Darnold. Right. That might be a touchdown. touchdown. It is a touchdown. <laughs> Sam Darnold. Run the option, fumble, and then army roll into the end zone. Perfect play. I love this it. game. <laughs> so heady. That is Sam Darnold football right there. You don't count out. Sam Darnold. Jordan Gross, Gross and Luke Keekley on the call. How about that? WBT. Sam Darnold uh, threw a touchdown pass. Recu- ran for one, but actually recovered a fumble for a second score. And the Panthers used their defense from there to get by the Denver Broncos 23-10. to 10. Uh, this game, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this one, Greg. But like, well, I've got 17 minutes planned. Here we go. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got? What was your takeaway on uh, Darnold's debut? He played well. He especially got confident in the second half. He didn't do much in the first half. He had a nice throw down the field to DJ Moore. When Darnold plays or or Walker, they actually used. You know, T.J. Moore, who, who beat Sertan a number of times in this game, which you're just not used to seeing. So that was nice. And he didn't make any mistakes. They just punted a lot. And eventually he started playing with confidence in the second half and he was fine. But it was more about the defense. It was more about Russell Wilson. We keep thinking we get to new lows for the Broncos and then we f- we get lower. So I I will just quickly run through like the options for new lows in this game. One option. Uh, they had negative one yard passing with four minutes left in the first half. Ufa. Uh, another option. They ran the ball on third and 20 because they didn't trust Russ. Uh, then got the ball back on uh, a fumbled punt and then did not let Russell Wilson throw the ball even once on the ensuing drive, even though they kind of had a third and medium and they just kicked a field goal. Their only points in this game Came on a touchdown that happened after roughing the passer that would have ended the drive and a field goal on a short field where they essentially got 10 yards and kicked it. Uh, Let's see. We had Mike Purcell, the defensive Mm -hmm. lineman, yelling at him at one point in the game. And um, I think that's we have Russ's reaction to that. Uh, Purcell came off the field after a field goal uh, drive by Carolina. And um, you could say he was imploring Russell Wilson to do something, but I'm sure the language is more colorful. Wilson was asked about it after the game. Mike and I are on the same page. You know, we, he, um, he came off, uh, you know, after they, I think they kicked the field goal, and he, did, he, was, he was pissed off. He just said, we got we to F and go, you know. And uh, I, I agree, <laughs> you know. So me and him on the same page. We, you know, there's no, uh, 
there's no uh, animosity there at all. We, we're on the same page. We we, we got to win. You know, we got to come out here and have some uh, some some grit to us, some mentality to us. We got to be able to win these you know these 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 football games. Mark, you're I, shaking your head. Well, I just I I am waiting for the moment. And tell me if I missed it. Where Russell Wilson, at least it's sort of like in a human being fashion. Mm, you'll be uh, waiting a while. It, like acknowledges that this has been a disaster and that there's a lot to do. Because I, outside of what we sort of say about the Cardinals week to week with looming issues uh, personnel wise and what you're going to do going into next season. Like this is the darkest, unfixable quarterback situation in the league because you're stuck with this. And I see no, there's literally zero signpost that tells me, actually, this is a bump in the road. It's a gigantic bump in the road, like an earthquake hit. So it's an opposite of a bump. It's a chasm. But how do you get out of it? Chasm? I say chasm. Um, (laughs) But wait a second. I don't know anymore. Wait a second. Uh, You're right. It would perhaps be helpful for Russell Wilson to acknowledge what everyone else sees. We are terrible, but we're going to fix this thing. But that, I don't think that's how his brain works. No, I don't he's think relentless that, positivity yeah, I don't guy. think that's allowed. So I think that, that's, that like, might be part of the frustration that his teammates have for him. And also to what you're saying about the quarterback situation, yeah, it's a bit of an unsolvable riddle for this organization. And what's going to happen, unfortunately, I don't think – I mean, you always, every once in a while there is a guy that's one and done and it's pretty clear by Black Monday – Nathaniel Hackett, I don't think there's any way he saves his job. I think he's going to be cooked in part because they know they have to make a big change and it can't be the quarterback, so it's going to be the coach's head who rolls. And I, I feel for him. I know he he has a responsibility in this because he recruited Russell Wilson to come here and he has not. he's an offensive mind who has not been offensive mind. In fact, he had to give up the play calling duties. That hasn't worked out for the team either. But Greg, there's like so many things uh, negative around this team, but Wilson refuses to be negative, and I think it's the coach who pays ultimately. I agree. They have six games left. I'm always wary of declaring too much about coaching because I've seen guys like Doug Marone win the last two. Actually, he didn't even win the last two games of the year. They just played the the Peyton Manning Colts close once. You could change minds. You could change minds. can change, but they've just shown no signs of life. Like Another option that it could have had for the lowest moment here was after they got that one touchdown, which only came because, you know, the drive extended with penalty. They get an onside kick, and the game's probably over at that point anyways, 23 to 10, and then Russell Wilson just throws four straight incompletions. It was as uh, ugly as it gets. Steve Wilkes, though, three and three. As interim head coach, I, I heard even before this game uh, a li- some whispers that he has a real chance to keep this job if if they play hard the rest of the way, and they are certainly playing hard. They could be 4-2 and two if not that for that crazy uh, game against Atlanta. They held the ball for 37 minutes. They were dominant in this game for what it's worth. On when both, when on Wilkes was in Cleveland as a defensive coordinator, like over and over you heard players love him. They love him in Carolina, and most of his stops, it's like, this dude is a good leader, and it's like he definitely deserves to get real interviews this time around because the Panthers were a disaster before this. It's easy to forget what was going on there, and he's milked some interesting performances on both sides of the ball. All right, let's take a break, and we will roll on. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back. We have a shutout alert. Let's head to... Santa Clara. He looks middle. He will throw. Kamara makes the catch. Kamara takes it. Down to the ball. Goal. He fumbled the ball. Oh. And it's deflected around. Rolling three on the goal line. Who's got it? Carl Domenehue's got it. That's 49ers got it. let them get to the one-yard line and then take the ball away to keep the shutout intact. Man, when Alvin Kamara's failing near the goal line, you know it's not your season. And that is four straight second-half shutouts for the Niners' defense. And that was my guy, Talanoa Hufanga, who forced uh, that Kamara fumble that held back New Orleans, who was turned away repeatedly in the second half in every attempt to get back into the game. Final score, though, 13-0. The Niners roll on four straight wins. And... um, Greg, this is a game where uh, the Niners, we, you know, we all were writing sea poems, uh, to use a Sesslerism, about their offense in the last couple of weeks, and that wasn't quite locked in uh, today. But what it did do was allow us to focus on the defense, which is also very good and deep and talented, and that's why this team is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Right, because they're one of the few teams, and I throw Dallas in this mix, that in any given week, and you're going to need this over a 17-game regular season schedule. You need it in the playoffs, too. Either side of the ball could dominate enough to win. I'm, I'm a little stunned that the Saints' defense, and I know they did get a lot of players back, seven players, uh, most of which were starters who missed last week's game for injury, were back for this game. But I'm still kind of amazed the Saints' defense held up. But you know what? This 49ers' defense has the capability to dominate up front, especially like you can tell me, but like line play wise, I would have, I guess they handed the saints their lunch. Yep. The saints were held to just 63 yards on the ground. And you know, Andy Dalton has had some good moments this season, probably more bad than good. But if you're asking him to throw you to victory, it's not going to happen. And San Francisco, their D is just 
again, it's under the radar because everyone's always talking about Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G and all the weapons, but they haven't allowed a point in more than 94 minutes of game action now. <laughs> and uh, I mentioned that stat about four straight second halves without allowing point. They are the fifth team since 1991 uh, to do that. So that's going back 30 years. So, yeah, this is a team that's humming, uh, and they could do it and beat you in a lot of ways. Yeah, there aren't there, there just aren't that many teams this season where, to your point, Greg, like if, if the offense takes a little bit of a week off, well, the defense just completely drops a hammer and dominates. I don't love that Elijah Mitchell got hurt in this. I'll wait and see what happens with that. Uh, I just I look at the Niners and feel like there might have been they seemed a little off on offense today. And I you know our team that you were on the West Coast against the Chargers night game you had to stay on the West part of the country, go to Mexico City, come back and do this. Like that can throw you off a little yeah. bit. I mean you're allowed to have a day like this, but they survived. I'm glad you brought up the Mitchell injury because he is a really really good player. And who knows? It was a foot injury, and he McCaffrey was McCaffrey went in and out too. Yeah, he was cl- quickly ruled out, and. So this this window uh, where all of the top skill players were healthy and making making plays, hopefully that didn't end today and it was just a brief two-week opening. But at the same time, that might be the only thing that could save these other teams in the NFC because if, if they do have it humming and they're healthy on both sides of the ball, look out in the Saints. They will march on into the offseason, Greggy. Yeah, four and eight. I mean, when Andy Dalton is your leading rusher, you're probably not going – going anywhere. It's yeah. all about Olave's uh, rookie of the year. Then Caden Ellis has kind of came out of nowhere and been one of the best defensive players in the league, I would say, over the last month. Just kind of dominating week after week, but that's that's all they're looking for. They are in the NFC South. I mean, they're only one win behind the Bucks. Now, you'd normally think of like the loss column is more important, but in the NFC South, mm. it is so hard to get wins that it's crazy that Carolina's only one win behind Tampa. It's just a fact. Well, I know. The and facts New are Orleans facts. is yeah. only one win behind Tampa. Are you, get, get the people excited. I was going to say, but are you actually making no, case that anybody no. else can win this division? And the Bucks. what we saw yes, from the Bucks today is, I actually think is, there's, you know, a, there's like a a 15% chance that either the Panthers or the Falcons could win this division. Well. Just something crazy happens in one of those two ends 15. up popping. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 20. It's not very well, good. That's a chance. Um, see, if I was such a bad guy, Greg, I would have moved on to the next game when... Oh, yeah, you instead, set me up a few times. Instead... You set me up a few instead, times. Go ahead. The Rainmaker came! <laughs> You know, climate change is happening. The rain isn't out quite as much as it used to be, but we're four and one on the season. They covered the eight and a half points. Eight. It that doesn't have to be pretty. Nine and a half, but they still covered it. Okay, either way. Well, moved it was, around during the win, season. It was a fairly fortunate um, victory for the Rainmaker if you watch the game, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. It's you're still collecting. It doesn't matter. So everyone doesn't just, matter how you get there. I mean, four and one—that's a uh, an eight hundred winning percentage. That would be leading the NFC South. Your loss did sink a, a, a slew of families across the country that took your advice that I week. I mean, that's, that's you can live with you're that. You're getting Greg, on I know me for my one loss out no, of four I mean, out of five. I'm just thinking on a more micro level what it did to those families. Right. Some but, some know. people who traffic in that world only have the means for one mm. wager. Right. And if that was the one they made. Well, Nothing all, will ever be the same. All I really oh, the Rainmaker. Did you ever see Boiler Room? Yeah, we're living at the YMCA now. I mean, we're not doing a weekly Rainmaker, but... That was it? also the week you went one and one, so you still got one right Ooh, that see, week. Look at that. Look at that. Thanks, Justin. But again... See, you don't need Wes here. You have Justin. <laughs> 
He's just spin, he, he's just spinning armor. facts, and the facts are <laughs> the Saints team, in one way or another, feels like a dead team walking. Um, all right, one more game to get to, uh, and it features a team that is very much moribund. Back to throw, gets it off. He's got oh, Aikens. That's going to be a touchdown. Football picked up by the Dolphins. Xavier Howard is it? walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Miami. I'll tell you what, X-Man just going to jog into the end zone for that touchdown. What is going, what are the parabolic mics picking up there? I don't know. Is it, was it so easy to beat the Texans right now that the band in Miami just went full on into the music before he even reached like it the 10-yard line I, on their return? I, I'll update you, it is that easy. <laughs> it is that easy. Don't, don't get, uh, Hung up by the final score, uh, which was 30-15. Dolphins over Texans because this was a game that was 30-zip at the half. Dolphins take their foot off the accelerator and just coast home for another win. Um, Their schedule tightens up significantly, uh, but you take care of business, Mark, and that's exactly what the Dolphins did here. Yeah, I mean, good teams go out and just hammer um, failed operations. And the Texans are uh, repeatedly on the bottom end of these because this is, we talked about last week how they were out gained 246 yards to five in the first half. Today, 287 to 32. That is a combined what? 533 yards to 37. This is an offense that generated 37 <laughs> points over four first half quarters in two weeks. And so really it just set up. Plus you throw an interception that set up an easy Dolphins score. There was a fumble returned uh, by Xavier Howard. So the Dolphins basically were just handed about the easiest Sunday around. But you still saw that this offense is so dangerous right now. I mean, I think that I am done sleeping on this team if I have it all. I think they could probably knock anyone out in any playoff game if you get the good version of Tua. One little note, Teron Armstead went out with a, went out with a pectoral injury. And after that mm. happened, Tua, at one point, because, you know, the game was so out of control, it was like, should we just take Tua out uh, minutes into the third quarter here? Um, he was sacked three plays in a row. At one point, he looked like he was sort of limping around a little. So he got he got yanked early. But Ian Rappaport, along with Tom Pelissero, the Pell Razor, um, noted <laughs> that the pec strain apparently is not as bad as originally feel, feared. He could miss some time, but hope is hope is that he will in quotes be back on the field at some point relatively soon. That is huge Ooh, for them. That's huge. That is absolutely mm-hmm. like a Damashek Jenga piece. Sometimes for their when you hear that pec thing, you immediately oh, it's torn, and then it's seeing next year. Um, yeah, and like I said, they, next week they get the 49ers on the road. Then they get they're they're against the Chargers, then the Bills, and then they, the Patriots and the Jets. Like it's gonna we're gonna learn a lot more about the Dolphins. Um, but the Texans have hit that stage of, of um, moribund territory. It happens to a couple teams every year where they just cease to even exist as, a, as an outfit that can compete. Like Damian Pierce is a perfect example. Damian Pierce is a running back who was having a great rookie year. But at a certain point, you just get overwhelmed by how terrible things are around you. And he no longer has a presence. It, it There's nothing him up. here. Yeah, it's your point. He had eight yards on five carries. Kyle Allen did start over Davis Mills. It, it made Why? very, it did. It just, you, the environment makes none of that have any difference. Just start Davis Mills and see if he could be your backup next year. Well, what? I think he's, I think he's probably solidified as their backup based on where they're at. I, I mean, mean, who so knows if anyone in Houston is going to be there next year. I think that's all 
TBD. The coaching staff could be different. The front office. That would be two. That'd be two one and dones in a row, which which is what we were we we were suspicious of that when the front office could be different. I mean, I'm impressed by the by Miami's consistency. They they want their run game to be better than it was today. They also lost Austin Jackson late in this game. Their other starting tackle and the drop off from Armstead and Jackson, who also missed some time earlier, to their backup tackles was immense. So that's huge with a, a huge Mike McDaniel-Kyle Shanahan rivalry game next week. Spicy. All right. One more game to go. Mark, you ready? Sure. You ready to put the Packers to bed once and for all? Well, that's been my goal. Well, consider your goal achieved. Sunday <laughs> Night Football. Hurts takes the snap, comes back, gives it to Sanders. Sanders with the first down, and the game is over. Oh, yeah, that'll lock it up. Miles Sanders behind the blocks of Ciamalo and Lane Johnson. And the Eagles are going to the victory formation. The fat lady's not singing yet, but she's warming up her vocal cords. Yes, the Eagles did whatever they wanted on the ground against the Paper Tiger defense of the Green Bay Packers. 363 yards on the ground, to be exact, with three scores. Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders combining for 300. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Ridiculous. Uh, In a 40-33 win over the Packers, like I said, Mark Sessler, the Packers, you could pack them up and ship them uh, out of town until 2023 because they are 4-8 and eight and their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, finished this game with his jersey off after getting x-rays on his midsection. But let's start, Mark, with the Eagles, who moved to 10-1, and one, keep a hold on the number one seed in the NFC, and show once again that they can just impose their will on an opponent with their terrific offense. On an NFL offense, running the ball 49 times, at 7.4 yards per carry. And, I mean, just the visualization of by the end of this game down the stretch, Green Bay hanging around, had a chance over and over if they could shut down Philly on the ground to make a game of this with Jordan Love in there, who who, him and Christian Watson had an immediate connection, but they couldn't. They couldn't do anything to the Eagles. Couldn't even come close, really. They they really – it's like there were just – there were probably six or seven key moments where they could have had a chance to do it. And all I saw was a Green Bay Packers defense, and we've seen this before with their defense, when they get run on like this, gassed, totally gassed at the end. But, of course, any defense dealing with what the Eagles did tonight and Jalen Hurts, who's just simply incredible from this angle. The Eagles ran nearly 80 plays, 79-49. So you could tell Green Bay had their hands on their hips by the end of this game. I mean – they ran for 363 total. You mentioned Sanders and Hurts, but you know, throwing Gainwell and Boston Scott combined for like 11 for 63. So no matter who it was, they, you mentioned 7.4 yards per carry on the ground. So that's more than Jalen Hurts was averaging through the air. They're like one of the rare teams that it, it's more efficient to to run, and that's because the scrambles that Hurts had were incredible. The first play of the game, there's absolutely nothing there on third down, the first third down of the game, and he makes four guys miss. 
and gets the first down. And that ends up leading to seven points. His decision-making, which I think he struggled with a week ago on the RPOs of whether to keep it or not, he kept giving the ball away when he probably should have kept it. He kept it tonight, and there were so many good decisions. And then that first touchdown by Sanders was an RPO where he did give it to Sanders, and they just were waiting for Hurts to keep it. And he's just got prairie loans, uh, prairie uh, lanes? What are they? Lands, what are they? Prairie lands. Prairie lands. Part of, part of the land. To, to throw to. And then he was dealing, too. Like, he had a third and 12 completion in the red zone that kept the touchdown drive going. He had a third and 14 to get it close. That TD to Watkins. It's mm-hmm. not like he didn't throw the ball well. Uh, that was that was just an awesome game to watch by Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you look at this team and I have some questions, you know, about, about their defense and they could not put the Packers away, it seemed. Uh, but it was also, it was almost like they were kind of toying with the Packers by the end of this game. You never felt that uh, Green Bay was ever in any danger of stealing this. And, yes, Aaron Rodgers now uh, goes to the sideline. We know he's playing with a broken thumb. He acknowledged that last week. And he was in a tremendous amount of pain after getting hit in the chops uh, in the second half. Stayed in for one series. But uh, you could tell uh, when he went to the sideline uh, after uh, Mason Crosby kicked the field goal that it was probably going to be the last you saw of him and then cut to – Mark, the shot of him with his pads off, with the jersey off, looking every bit the 38-year-old quarterback that he is. And you just wonder, it's, it's you, especially now, you know, small sample size, of course, but the backup comes in, the former first-round pick, and does some things. Like, what is going through the minds of um, LaFleur, of management, as you spin forward to the future of the Packers, which may or may not have Aaron Rodgers in it? You're 4-8. and eight. I mean, we'll see how long he's going to be out doesn't sound like a comfortable physical ailment to be dealing with as a NFL quarterback. I mean, if he's gone for multiple weeks and he comes back and they've got 10 or 11 losses, what unless it's him saying, I want to be in this lineup, you know, come hell or high water, I don't know why you don't finally get a good look at Jordan Love, who I thought showed some promise tonight, and why you need you necessarily shove Aaron Rodgers back into this lineup. Or if you're Aaron Rodgers, why that even makes so much sense. Well, they haven't had their bye week yet which I forgot about. They have the Bears next week, 14. week, which would be a nice spot for Jordan Love to come in. And, you, and you're right. He threw the ball very well. I know it was only, what was it, nine attempts. Uh, but most of them were right on the money. Uh, he looked a little more confident in making quick decisions. You have the Bears next week, and then you have the bye after that. It's an oblique injury, and you, you figure, let Love start next week. See, see where it's at. It's... It's tricky. It's an off-season question, really, that we don't need to get into because this season's dead. But they're pretty much tied to Rodgers for next year. But if you play Love, maybe a little, uh, you know, you can make decisions based off that. You could either trade Jordan Love off of that or you could trade Aaron Rodgers off of that. Trade Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. It's all very, you know. I would take Aaron Rodgers. Well, no, because I have Mike White now. Oh, that well. The great white way. That, uh, it's lucky for them that this Broadway development Mike. happened when it did with Mike yes, White. Exactly. Uh, we shall see. I I mean, reasonable, mind, reasonable minds can differ on this, but I think Aaron Rodgers has earned the right to decide how the rest of the season plays out in terms of whether he's playing or not. But also, obviously, Jordan Love could do himself a lot of favors here by playing well in this game, and then if he gets an opportunity against Chicago, who we saw this today and throughout the season cannot stop anybody. But that's that. Eagles are 10-1. and one. They keep rolling. They get the Titans next week. Justin, maybe, maybe Justin will lock up his Titans in a show. Finally, a show of loyalty for his favorite team. That would be bold. 
at least. It would be pretty bold against a, a ten and one team. They'll probably be seven point underdogs on the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you got to. You, you know what? Show he, some fortitude here. This is Justin. a little early to be negotiating things, but if you lock up the Titans and you win, we'll give you that half back. You'll get one and a half wins. How about that? Why, why you, do you, you, why do you unilaterally half. decide on how the game works, Greg? We're, well, we're a committee. My standing. Greg my is the locks czar. We all know but, this. By separate We've standings. In his just, own now mind. just incurring yeah. favor. What, with, is, that, with, yeah, what is going what on is, with you? Why do you smooch What a disturbing, what a disturbing like, unpleasant development. We've been on the same page today. Yeah. We both have been for the Seahawks. He's just an arbiter of truth. and He's a brown noser is what he is. knows what Justin's been doing for the last two hours up there. He's an independent Independent <laughs> arbiter, and he's just measuring what's the truth in this situation. You disappoint me, Justin. Hey, we have breaking <laughs> news, by the way. Oh, that's a surprise. The research team got back to me. Oh, wow. Look at them. And I want to tell you, uh, buddy, I thought I had something special going on at the early games of my draft, and I absolutely did because the Commanders and Falcons came in at 247, mm-hmm. which is the eighth. Uh, quickest game of the season, just three minutes off the lead, which is Panthers-Bucks back in uh, week five. Mm. Number 10 on the list, Jets-Bears mm. at 248. I had 247 and 248 early on today. Remember, I had the sandwich bet that we'd see the, the fastest game in, in league history. Uh, we're not even close. Not even close, and I have more research notes. What a great job, Greenholtz. You know, Greenholtz. The whole team. With the ski bunnies and all that. Top to bottom. Um, Some context on the late two-point conversions from NFL Communications. Week 12, 2022 is the first week multiple games were decided by game-winning points scored on a two-point conversion in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. The Jags and Chargers became the third and fourth team since 1994 to score the game-winning points on a two-point conversion in the final 15 seconds of the fourth quarter. History. Whoa. I feel like John Gruden was involved in at least one of those other teams. The others, Chargers in Week 15, 2018, and Chiefs and Vikings no. in Week 15 at the Saints. I have a late show quiz question for you. Mm, okay. 1994, the first ever NFL coach to dial up a two-point conversion. I'm sure it was Belichick, it was the Browns, or blah, blah, blah. Well, it was Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, imagine, though. Like, if, if Of all the people on the planet to have done it, it was Bill Belichick. Kind of cool. It had to be. I just want Bill to write you your letter back. The Belichick letter is one of the great. He did write back. That was the whole conceit of the article. But was it? Oh no! After the long form came out, NFL.com. Bill can't shoot you a note just saying. I don't know. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I wasn't asking for a note. No, because it's like. Do you think he got? um, Did you watch the game on Monday? Past. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was you right now. They, uh, do you think someone passed him the Belichick letters? His I assistant. know for I know for a fact that he's there was an administrative assistant in the story that was the Browns, his admin back in the day. He became she became Nick Saban's hey, admin, hey, and they Mark. spoke to each other. I read it. I read it. It was no, really I good. I really enjoyed it, Mark. I don't know if you read it, but I'm not gonna write back. No letters for you. I don't need any more. What's your next long form coming out? Never. I mean, maybe you never. We're on to the next long form. When's it coming out? A huge TV. He's a wordsmith, Greg. Right. I mean, even Belichick oh, wants been, it. Uh, you guys Belichick wants it. Why like, you two have been doing this? Uh, like in the during the entire time we're watching SNF, <laughs> t- trying to convince me 
to dial back like 6,000 word articles. What I have going for me is my people. raging apathy on this front. Look, we, we have a big audience. Mm-hmm. If you're out there and you were a fan of Mark's yes. long forms back in the day, the Belichick letters, yes. any of the great ones, the sideline reporters ones. Unbelievable. <laughs> there wasn't sidelines. It was just broadcasting. Was. Uh, the Mother's Day piece <laughs> about our sons play football and how wonderful that is. That actually almost cost me major points within the news. Whatever it is, if you want to see more great writing from Mark Because great writing sometimes just, makes people uncomfortable. Just let him know. Yeah. Let him know. I don't understand your angle. I will Hit play along with Mark it. Hit up Mark Sessler on Twitter and tell him that you love him as a wordsmith and you need more long forms. <laughs> I love you also. <laughs> we just can't stop talking. We, we, we like came in here. It's like we didn't spend that much time on this great game. But <laughs> Hey, Bot Mark, do you have anything to say before we sign off? Black goo does not come from me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. We'll be back on Monday night. Uh, Greg, do you have any of my um, my friends, anyone from my personal life, joining you on the show tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyone from We've my personal Phoebe life? We've got Phoebe Schechter, who does great work on Sky oh, Sports. Oh, Schechter. Yep, she's She'll in the house. Great. Not Excellent. in the house, but on the nice phone. Nice booking. Yeah. Good booking. Yeah. So check out the Monday night recap, and then we'll be back on Tuesday. Remember the ATN Homecoming Show live from Los Angeles on January 18th. Tickets available. Do we have like a handy website we could point people to? Is there something we can do on that? Ticketmaster, if you just start typing around the NFL, you don't even have to type the whole thing. It pops up around the NFL live. It's so easy. Ticketmaster. Can we make a URL? Like. Well, that's we, it. It's Ticketmaster. I, I, I don't see a problem I'm not with a this. webmaster, but can we just make a I dummy page? I can pin the has... link to our Instagram profile. Yeah. That's good. That's progress. That's, that would have been great four days ago, but I think now would be also acceptable. If you would like to join us in Los Angeles on January 18th, check out our Instagram at the ATN Podcast. Click on the link in the bio, and there's your lane to tickets. All right, let's go. There we go. What time is it? Ticketmaster is pure. <laughs> All right. Till Monday Night Football. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.